TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back in here on a Wednesday. Dana and Parks on the way an hour from right now. Okay. Wow, this story. Out of Texas. Uh, you talk about marrying someone. You talk about vows that you take. You talk about in sickness and in health. What happens when you get married? It's the love of your life, the person you want to be with forever. But then they have a horrible accident, are never going to be the same, will never be able to give you the family that you want to have, but you still want to take care of that person. And this, I mean, the fact that every major player in this story had to agree on all of this and did is stunning. Because when we talk about this couple... Uh, the Armstrongs, they they married young. Uh, they had married when they were both 21 years old. They were high school sweethearts. They met when he was 16, uh, she was 16, he was 15 years old. And they, you know, made it through the end of high school together and, and started their life together and had all the dreams that would go along with exactly that. Like you said, starting a family, doing all of the things that a young couple would do. And then just two years into their marriage, she got a phone call. And the first words on the phone call were, you need to pull over, because she was driving at the time. Uh, So there are three names that you're going to be hearing us talk about here. Chris is the woman. Brandon is the husband. The first husband. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is in 2008. This is how they describe this. She was driving between her two jobs when she got the call, and the caller asked her to pull over. Then came the news. Her husband, Brandon, had been in a car crash. And they said, doctors are trying to save his life. By the time she gets to the hospital, he was in a coma. He was in a coma for two months before he woke up. When he woke up and he had this severe, um, this traumatic brain injury, she said, it's somebody new. It's he was not the same person when he came out of that coma. And obviously there were there were things that he would be unable to do, things that they had planned together that he just couldn't do. Uh, I mean, he's still very limited as far as his mobility is concerned. And he, like you said, he's just a different person, but he needs constant care. And while she still had the same desires and the same dreams that she did before, those were things that he could no longer take part in. But because he was who he was to her, she didn't want to just abandon him either. So she divorced him. She said, I want these things for my life. I cannot have them with him, but I took vows, but I want these things for my life. So she divorced him and then basically fought with the court to become his legal guardian 
to still be the person to take care of him. She said, I took care of the financial issues. I managed all of his health care, his Medicaid, his Medicare. And so she showed that to the courts. And she said at one of the final hearings, the judge asked her a specific question. She said, what will you do if you have a family someday? Will you still be able to take care of Brandon? What will happen then? And she said, nothing is going to change. And that was and it. it that, didn't. Yeah. And that was the, the beginning, middle, and end of her answer. And apparently for the judge, that was good enough. She was, in fact, granted a guardianship. But keep in mind the beginning of this story. The reason why she took the steps to divorce him in the first place is that she still had dreams of a husband, a family, you know, kids, everything that goes along with that. And she didn't want to give that up either. So we go forward in time just a little bit. And she did that, too. So this is six years now after the accident in which her husband changed. So um, let me scroll down here a little bit. So in 2014, she meets James, who at that time is a single father with a young child. And the first thing she told him about, and you can imagine this conversation, <laughs> yeah, is Brandon. And she said, I have a former husband that I take care of. He's a part of my life. I know that's a lot, but if you want to be with me, this is a part of who I am. James says, it didn't bother me. It intrigued me because it told me a lot about her. Yeah. That she had a good heart. Definitely. And I mean, it. I thought it was interesting that, that she, that that was the first thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. that, that it was uh, because she didn't even say, okay, if we're going to, if we're going to get married and have kids and all of this, this is what you need to know about. She said, if you're interested in dating me, this comes with the territory. And he said, okay. Yeah. And so I, I wish we knew more about James, uh, excuse me, about Brandon's health and, and like his, his neurological, pro, like how he was. Yeah. Because they met, these two men met. And Chris recalls Brandon asking James, hey, do you want to grab a beer? So he must be okay enough that they can go grab a drink. Sure. And they became friends. And then they all became one family and everybody's cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that's Brandon, the one who is, who is in the wheelchair, the one who was in the accident asking the new guy, Hey, you want to go grab a beer? I mean, that's, you're right. It would be, it would be fascinating to know exactly what the extent of the neurological damage that was done when she says he's a different person. Now, what does that mean? Who is he? And how much of the situation and the change in the situation after his accident does he understand? Yeah, um, I have so many questions about this. Um, so the way this ends, or to bring you up to date, Chris and James were married a year later. And the way they put it is, Brandon now had a new protector and a new advocate, not just in Chris, but also in this new husband. They have had children together now. Two Chris them, and James yeah. have had two children. He now is Uncle Brandon to those kids. They said they love to snuggle with him on the couch when he's hanging out, and there's just a lot of love there. Wow. I, yeah. I, I, it's so funny because we, use, we throw cliches out like, you know, family can mean a lot of things. And it sounds so trite, but there's so much truth in that. When you hear a story like this of how – 
they, like we said at the very beginning, how they all three had to agree that this was going to be the way things were going to work. And they did. And they, and they just, they're making it, they're making it the way they need to make it. 913-586-7798. No one is going to have a story like this. But a lot of us wonder how this is possible. Mm-hmm. How is it possible that Brandon, the first husband, would would ex- be accepting of this, you know, watching the woman that he loved marry somebody else, but knowing she wants kids and I can't give that to her. How is James, the second husband, accepting of this? Yeah. Knowing that the first husband, that these two were in love and, you know, there's a lot of love there still. How is he accepting of this? And if you have one of those like family family takes on a new form situations i'd love to hear about it 913-586-7798 i love this uh, the text that we just got that says wow i'm trying so hard not to cry <laughs> yeah Me too. it is it's one of those stories where it just shows i, I want to read the very last line in this story because if you haven't yet this may shove you over the edge into that but uh yeah this was a quote i think from her where she said brandon's world got very small after his brain injury and it's just sort of gotten bigger again. Yes. Um, here's one of the places my brain went in terms of, I want to talk about Brandon first for a second. You sort of wonder <laughs> what other choice did he have, right? If Is there a point at which Chris would have said, like if Brandon hadn't been okay with it, yeah. if Brandon didn't like James, would she not have dated him? Or if he didn't like the idea of her dating anybody. Right. Would she have given up that dream if Brandon wasn't okay with it? I sort of think, like, did he have any other choice? I mean, this is his caretaker. Yeah. He's kind of, you know, beholden to her. He needs her. Would he have any other choice? Yeah, and and that also goes to that. How much understanding does he have of of the world around him um you know and of, of the fact that they were married and of the, of the fact that they're not anymore and what all of that means and what all of that entails and i don't think anybody it also the, the article that we have in front of us here from cbs news also doesn't explain a whole lot about his extended family situation like right. where are his parents in all of this and what do they think about it if they're still alive and still around what do they make of this situation but i think at that point they're all adults they all get it. They all understand it, but they had to, they, everybody involved in this had to give up a lot of themselves, I think. And gained a lot. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, and, and so that's where I look at James and say, he's got to be really secure in the relationship that he has with her to not, um, to be okay with his, with his presence there and with his kids. And some people just are. Yeah. You, you just, you know, you just kind of know your relationship. And it works. It's yeah, it's amazing to me sometimes. And and the fact that she still even recognizing that he couldn't be a husband in the way that that she wanted that you know role to be filled, that she still felt that kind of dedication to him. I mean, she could have just said, "All right, we're divorced now. You're your parents' problem, or you know your family's problem, or whatever." And she didn't do that. Because that has happened. We have read those stories. Yeah. I mean, that shows up in advice columns a lot, right? Someone will write in and say, I said in sickness and in health, but I still have desires for my life and my wife or my husband. Usually it's like they're in a long-term care facility or something, or they have mental deficits now. And that person still wants to have a life. And they wonder, do I just go do that and stay married? Because she could have done that. Yeah. She could have stayed married to him 
and just met someone and been with that person, but she wanted to marry whoever this new person was going to be. Sure. Yeah. To have a, a, a father for the kids that she was married to and, and who knows what else, you know, whatever her reasons were as, as long as all three of them and the kids too, by the way, because keep in mind, it, he, James already had a child before they met. So he was a single dad. And now that child is a teenager and now has two younger sisters that are with her, you know, and, and not with his mom. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of um, just adjustment that had to be made here. But they, they all seem to have figured out a way to make it work and work really well. The part of this that I can't tell is, and I assume, I assume Brandon lives with them. Or does he live separately? It is, you know, it's hard to it's hard to figure that from the article because some of the things they said when when you read that line about them, you know, how th her, their kids love snuggling with Brandon on the couch when when he's there, which seems to indicate that he's not always there. Yeah, there's a TikTok account associated with this that I can look at a little bit during the break because this is this is where she shared the story was on TikTok. 913-586-7798. I know a lot of you are just listening to, listening to this, and I get it. You're just kind of hooked on the story. I understand. Um, if you have stories like this where it's not traditionally family, but to you it is, feel free to uh, call those in and share those with us. We'll take a break. We'll get to your comments next on KMBZ. It's a long story to get here, but it basically comes down to the different definitions of family and that it doesn't have to look like we think it should look. Um, I tell you, John, I look through, I can't listen to them, but her, this woman's TikTok videos out of Texas, one of them is called How My Husband Became My Brother. What wow. a, that one will get your attention. It appears as though he lives in a nursing home. All right. Because yeah, so he she talks about going to pick him up from the nursing home and bringing him to the house got it so so they yeah they will visit <laughs> yeah he'll visit there or they'll visit him and then yeah in the meantime um they, yeah he's he's living full-time in that kind of a facility but yeah they're they're making it work and now again she has a new husband with whom she has had kids and still that that entire family takes care of him and makes sure that all the medical decisions and everything that needs to be done for him continue to be done so we're just talking about that and that that sort of um, wandering definition of what family is and your experiences maybe with that as well. We'll go to Connie who's calling in from Norburn. Hi, Connie. Good morning. Afternoon. Hi there. <laughs> Hi. But yes, I work for an insurance company. This was in reverse where the wife was in this situation. And yes, her husband said I had to divorce her in order to qualify her for Medicaid and keep great insurance through my work on my kids. And she always wanted me to go on with my life. So that's what they did. But, yes, that was part of his new wife's responsibilities was, you know, when you come into this, you have to be prepared to help me take care of the the mother of my children. And that's exactly what they did. It was beautiful. It worked fantastic. Yeah, you know, and that's – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say it seemed weird to me at the time. But then I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? That's part of what you take on as the new spouse coming in is that these are the responsibilities that this man was not going to just let go because sure. his wife was incapacitated. Right, yeah, and, and that's that's where, you know, my I'm, – I'm impressed with everybody that's involved in this story, but I was really impressed with the fact that she didn't even let the dating relationship start before James understood what the rules were. 
You know, it's like, don't, don't, exactly. don't get involved and then spring that on somebody. You let them know right at the outset. And she did. And he was okay with it. Exactly. And, and again, this same thing happened in reverse. And this one is a guy that, you know, lives up north. He's very close. <laughs> right. Right here in town. So it, it was amazing. I was very pleased to see it. Love it. Connie, it made you. me redefine my definition of family. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. When, when somebody challenges your views, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I get it. And as long as it works, it works. That's a, exactly. Connie, well said. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks very much Connie. for the story. I like that she went to the court because the, the point is interesting about insurance and power of attorney and all that kind of thing that can get complicated. And we talk about that with couples that are together but aren't married. I like that she went to the court so that all of it was legal, so that she had legal standing. There was no question about her role there and that she's then committing to that for life. I yes. mean, regardless of what change, like I hate to bring this up, but what happens when Chris dies and if Brandon is still alive, then what? Yeah. Uh, and, or, I mean, if if something happens between her and James at some point, you know, the, the, her, the, the, all of that stuff is is peripheral. You know, uh, it, it just comes down to, yeah, defining family how you have to in the moment just to make everything work. And, again, who can argue with the fact that with them it does? Cindy and Belton is up next with us. Hi, Cindy. Hi, guys. How are you today? Doing well. What's Great. on your mind? We have a unique story. Um, when we, when I got divorced from my first husband and I married my second husband, uh, we decided that we would include husband number one in holidays. And whenever the kids were here, you know, their grown children, that they could come, he could come. And as long as everybody got along, fine, that we would all get together so that we could all spend more time instead of dividing. And, you know, it's hard on the kids to decide who and what and where and when so we just thought well we let him come okay so as the story progressed and my my number two husband he goes now we're not doing this with my wives right the ex ones (laughs) he doesn't want to he wasn't feeling that so we all got the three of us got along great well husband number two passed in december and he always took me to texas for the holidays thanksgiving and my husband, number one, says he will continue to do that. We are fixing to do that shortly, that him and I will travel to Austin together to see my daughter, our daughter, and our grandkids, which Mr. Workaholic, I know he's going to probably be listening to this, but, <laughs> you know, I am blessed that him and I can get along and that I can force him, once again, to take a vacation. You know, because he's he works all the time. So what was anyway. what was his relationship like with you with husband number two? It was great. Really? It was it was great. Yeah. We never we did not fight. We we got along great. He was like, Why don't you fight with me? I'm like, I'm not I'm not fighting anymore. You know, and and uh, Joe will be gone a year in December. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I've I've had a a date or two, but um one fellow knew him and the other one kind of knew him, but I'm like, this is my situation, you know, with my husband, number one, I'm going and we're planning a cruise next summer. We're going and you know, Hey, it's, it is what it is. We do it for the better of the kids. And even Joe's children were related to my kids. We didn't even know it. 
in the beginning. Our exes were cousins. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. And my husband, number one, he's even done stuff for my stepchildren. So, you know, it's like, yeah, he's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. And we just decided it's not about us any longer. We've kind of put him through shit. Excuse me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Gotta, well, that can't does do that. that. Sorry, Cindy. I, I understand what you mean, but, um, but yeah, that's and that's kind of why I ask is that um, you know sometimes. You know, it's one thing to to do things like holidays or graduations or whatever together. Anybody can get through two hours of anything. Right. If you have to. But it, it's different when they can actually connect. You know what I mean? And, and, and be friends more than just, oh, yeah, we have a wife in common. Right. It is interesting. And I, I like... Her, I mean, the story that her kids are going to learn about this and the example and what that teaches her kids yeah, is, is just awesome, you know, and, and what a lesson that they're going to learn. And this this bonus uncle that they've got in their life is, is super cool. Definitely. So, thanks, everybody, uh, for sharing your stories here. Coming up, what time? Is there a normal time during the day that you normally hit a wall? There is a time that's most common for people. What do you do about it? Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Got clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we got this one out of studyfinds.org. This was a poll of 2,000 adults asking at what point during the day, if it's only once, that you normally hit a wall. Um, And they've kind of narrowed it down to one particular time. Yeah. And and as you might expect, I mean it's not 9:05 in the morning. If if that's you, <laughs> then then you probably need to do, you know find a, a different career. But mid-afternoon is what we're looking at here. Uh it was either what did I see 2:36 or 2:38 p.m. 2:36 p.m. 2:36, mm-hmm. yeah. 2:36 p.m. and that's just the average time when I guess that those first couple of cups of coffee have worn off and the day has finally gotten to you and you just get that mid-afternoon. Oh, man, it's a slog to get through the next two hours. That's when it starts. 
What I care about more is how many hours after you wake up is it? <laughs> yeah. Or how because, many hours before you get to leave work is it? Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah, because it's uh, 2.36 p.m. Does that mean it's for the group getting up at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m.? Like, yeah. what's, why? Why is that the time? I say that as somebody that gets up very early. Um, so what time do you hit a wall and what do you do about it? What's what's the thing that you do if you got to keep going if you're at work they found that about a third of people drink coffee uh equal percentage take a walk outside others report getting a sweet snack splashing water on your face and listening to loud music which is great unless you're in a cubicle farm and then you really can't listen to loud music because you're going to bother the person right. next to you. But yeah, I love this. They said alarmingly, I see I was joking about 905. They said alarmingly 12% report experiencing their first slump before 9 a.m. And one in three have that feeling while they're driving to work. Well, that's nice. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. not concerning at all. Wow. I, um, I think I've driven next to that guy as a matter of fact. Yeah, what do you do? Um, and do you also hit that wall on weekends or is it just on weekdays? Our bodies like schedules, our bodies like routine. Yeah. And so I, because I, I'm not allowed to hit a wall at noon or otherwise that's probably what time I would. Mm -hmm. It's, it is on, I think I've said this before. It is on my calendar now that I block out two and two until 2.30 PM every day Yeah. because I am useless the rest of the day. If you don't give me 30 minutes immediately after I turn off this microphone to lay on my, I can't even go run errands I, or it ruins the rest of my day. If you don't give me 30 minutes to lay on my couch and just tune the world out in silence, you, you get like 50% of me the rest of the day. Yeah. If you give me that time, I can kind of ramp back up, but my body on weekends also at 2 PM is like, Hey, wait a minute. We're supposed to we're supposed to get a break now, regardless of what time I woke up. Yeah, it's funny because mine usually is delayed a little bit from that. Um, when I was working overnight and got off at four o'clock in the morning, oh, yeah. I, I saw your yeah. eyes roll right there going, going back to that going, oh, yeah, those yeah, days. Those when, days. When I was doing that, the good part about it is I had a 35 minute commute home. Even in the middle of the night when there was no traffic, which there never, ever was, it took me 35 minutes to get home. And what I would normally do is that was an hour when they were replaying the first hour of my show. So I'd drive home and just kind of zone out and listen kind of a little, but but very passively. I wasn't like critiquing myself. I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll let the show flow over me. And if there's anything that sticks out, I'll get it. But in that 35 minutes, but between then and when I got home, when I got home, I was ready for bed. I it was That gave me mm -hmm. plenty of time to do that. But now that wall normally hits me. And I, I'm sure Jen would probably adjust this a little bit, but it's usually about 3.30. If if it happens, it doesn't happen to me every day, but usually because uh, my commute home is only 10 minutes now. So that and doesn't... And that's about eight hours after you wake up, right? Yeah. You're up about 7, 7.30. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's usually about right. So uh, yeah, about 3.30 in the afternoon, sometimes I'll just, I'll find myself drifting off i i rarely nap uh i just can't i would love to <laughs> but my body doesn't like to do that but i'll yeah I'll, I'll get that feeling of i just need to do some i need to have quiet time for a little while now yeah. um where you know at 2 2 30 in the afternoon i'm usually still pretty pretty up you know but that i'll, I'll get to that point where it's just like let me just wind down a little bit here and feel 
you know, just just sort of zone out for a bit, and then I'm good for the rest of the evening. So for you, it's eight hours after you wake up. For me, it's ten hours after, only because I obviously couldn't do it at noon. Sure. I, I just wonder if there's consistency there in how many hours after you wake up that you hit the wall. I'll bet there is. Yeah, and that two thirty six time would, would work right into that too if you're getting up at six o'clock in the morning. So yeah, yep. no doubt. Let's go to Mike and Tavika and find out what he's got going on. Hey, Mike. Hey guys. Um, so yeah, my morning, I get up at 4 a.m. Um, and I commute an hour and 20 minutes to Kansas City from Topeka. Um, and so that 9 a.m., you know, uh, statistic of people feeling like that's when they hit the wall. For me, that's about halfway through what would be a normal day for most people. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, however, for me, because of what I do and how active my job is, I don't usually feel like I hit a wall until about an hour after lunch. Uh, which is right around one thirty, two o'clock um, is when I usually feel like I hit a wall. And then, you know, I'll have some coffee, kind of wake myself up. And then my drive home, especially, um, sometimes falls anywhere from 5.30 to 6 o'clock, sunset, and it's getting dark. And, yeah, fighting off the sleepy demons, as I like to call it, um, <laughs> can be problematic at times. And if I if I feel that you know, that moment where I'm I'm getting a little bit too drowsy, I'll actually pull over and take like a 20-minute nap in the driver's seat until I feel rested enough to get home safely. First of all, thank you for doing that and not just trying to push it. Cause most of us would most of it in my, and I'm including myself in that would try to power through it and just, okay, let me get home. But uh, yeah, yeah I mean, good for you for knowing your body that well. Yeah. I've, I've witnessed that where you see someone kind of swerving off to the road and you think, <laughs> okay, are they drunk? And nope, it's they're super drowsy and you're just fighting it. And it's, it's so much better for yourself and everyone around you to just pull over, take a quick little 10-minute, 20-minute nap, and then get back on the road again after that. You got it. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Mike, good luck with it, Thanks, buddy. Mike. Okay, so we've talked about this before. Um, I, I don't know that I would do that. I don't know because I've, I've done the drive back and forth to Illinois a gazillion times, and we'll get tired on the way. And I've talked about, like, as a woman, uh, there is nowhere where I'm going to stop and sleep in my car. Yeah. Not even for 10 minutes. There's, and I know there are rest stops and there are well lit everything, but if it's well, if it's that well lit, I'm not falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Uh-huh. And I don't, I, I'm never going to rest because I'm just too worried about what's going to happen. Yeah. So. I, yeah, I just, um, I, I guess I'm lucky enough to have my day work out to the point where w- when it finally does happen, I'm rarely in a position where I have to get anything done. Yeah, so what does everybody do about it? Um, Because some of the other things that they asked about was like 20% of people said it's so, it's such a big deal that they've canceled plans, which I've done. I should know myself better. I should never, ever plan anything for 2 p.m. or 2.30 p.m. because I've canceled that before. Um, 16% of people have forgotten commitments. 15% of people admit to yelling at their kids at that point. (laughs) That'll get you back up. Um, the concern is one in 10 people say they've made errors at work. Yeah, that's the fear is that if you don't get that break from your desk and when you said cubicle farm, oh, I couldn't live like that. But yeah, <laughs> if that's, I've just never had that experience and I, I just don't think I would I would be okay. Um, but if you do, what can you do at work? Especially if it doesn't fall over your lunch hour. What do you do at 2 p.m.? Yeah, especially at the time when you're right, when you're supposed to be working, when you're supposed to be doing something else, because even some of the suggestions that they give in the in the article about what to do, if you're supposed to be doing something at that moment, if you're supposed to be being productive at work, well, then watching cute cat videos is not really an option for you. Your boss is going to walk by and go, 
Really? Working hard, are you? Okay, good. Thanks. Remember when we had, at one point, pre-pandemic, there was the nap room, napping rooms yes. that were showing up in some, in, in a few businesses? Not all, but a few embrace that idea. Might not be a bad idea. Uh, you know, some of the other things they said, instead of uh, piling up on sugar and caffeine, eat something with a lot of iron in it. Um, they okay. said you know, dark chocolate, pumpkin seeds, dried fruit, hummus with chopped vegetables. Um, any, any of those things, they said, are pretty good because it opens the uh, the paths for blood and oxygen to reach your muscles a little bit better. So it, it can get rid of the fatigue that way. Some of you might be fatigued now. Some of you are hitting the wall now because we're not hearing from anybody. So we get it. Good luck, Dana and Parks. And, and thank you to the person on the text line letting me know that, yes, earbuds exist. So you can still listen to your music. <laughs> the thing is, though, if you're in a cubicle farm like that and you've got your earbuds cranked, the person next to you can hear that. And that's even more annoying than having the loud music because all you're getting is. <laughs> Trust me, they hate that. It's right up there to me with people on their speakerphone in public places. Uh-huh. It's, it, it's right, right <laughs> up there with that. All right. Oh, we will take a break here. We'll wrap the show next on KMBZ. Do you normally hit a wall about the same time every day? If so, when is it? What do you do about it? Uh, seems like most people, or in this survey of 2,000 uh, 2, people, it's about 2.30 p.m is when people hit that point. So you got about 45 minutes. Get ready. <laughs> it's coming. Tatum <laughs> Parks need to be very entertaining that's, at that point. That's right. They need to be careful of it, too. I hope they're out there pounding the caffeine. So we'll go to Candace in Mission and see what she's got going on. Hi, Candace. Hi, guys. Um, this is kind of a fun topic because it's something we all experience, I think. Yeah. Um, when I was living in Washington State, one of the things I noticed and then participated in was the three o'clock latte run that everybody did everybody i mean um it was it it really is a societal thing out there and it's quite fascinating (laughs) so um that's something that i've kept going and i really do hit my wall right around three um so yeah caffeine's probably not the best option ideally i should walk or something healthy like that but yeah it is it's funny uh, i i used to do this on road trips all the time uh how even getting out of the car and just walking around for five minutes you know stopping at a rest stop like jamie said and then just walking around that rest stop walking around the the little area inside or outside if the weather's nice enough or whatever can really just bring you back into that second wind almost right away. And yet we don't think about doing that. Like if you said, hey, boss, I'm going to be outside for five minutes. <laughs> you know, I got to go walk around the building. But I bet a lot of people would find that same effect that you're getting from the caffeine by just doing that. Yeah. And I have no excuse because I work from home. So I go downstairs to make a latte and <laughs> come back there you go. Hey, yeah, at least you don't have to worry about anybody looking over your shoulder. If you do, you'd have bigger problems. That's very true. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Candace. Take care. Thanks, Candace. All right. Thanks to everybody for getting in here. Um, okay. While we have a couple of minutes here, let's talk about this car that was found yeah. in the shed. Oh, I love, I love this story so much. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we hear about barn finds fairly regularly where somebody will go and they'll find like an old Ferrari or something like that. I, in fact, that was one of the first ones I heard about was a guy who found one of the old aluminum body Ferraris literally in a barn where it had been sitting for like 30 years and ended up fully restoring the thing. And it was just this priceless artifact. Well, just recently, and I've never heard of anything anywhere near this old, 
being in that barn find realm is they found the very first car that was ever designed by Ferdinand Porsche. This is the guy who started Porsche Motors. Um, it was not a Porsche-labeled car. It was actually called the Egger Loner Electric Vehicle. So it was all electric. And this thing was put out in 1898. Uh, it was it debuted on the streets of Vienna June 26, 1898. It had a battery that made the entire weight of the vehicle over 3,000 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it took a lot, but they said it had about a 50-mile range, could go up to 22 miles an hour, and it had been sitting in this barn. They lost track of it somehow. Over the years, it just disappeared to the sands of time until fairly recently. It's now at the Porsche Museum in Stuttgart. They found this thing in a barn in Vienna. It had been there since 1902. What do we know about the time between when it was put there and when it was found. Wouldn't you love to know? And, and the answer yeah. is, unfortunately, very little. We don't know how it ended up in that barn. They, they just know that that was the last time that anybody reported seeing it was in 1902. So it's, it's. I mean, they just parked it there and figured, okay, you know, we're, we're going to make more cars. So, you know, proof of concept, great. Let's see if we can improve on this. Now, the When they found it, the batteries were gone. The seats were gone. The uh, like the bodywork on the sides of the car were gone. So really, what you have looks almost like a sleigh. It's got yeah. it's got that little piece on the front, and it's got the steering wheel behind that, and then the rest of it is just a motorized cart with cart-like wheels that have the spokes and all of that, like you would see on an old Conestoga wagon, except they're made out of metal. And uh, and that was all that was left. So they they redid a kind of a see-through version of the body panels just to show you what it would have looked like back in 1898. And they put it on display in the museum. They said it was in remarkably good shape, that if, if it had still had the batteries in it, they could have fired it up, that the electric motor still works. I am shocked that um, nothing happened to the shed. Yes, right. In all that time that would have damaged <laughs> a storm. Uh -huh. I mean, Austria is pretty far. You know, you get some storms in Austria. Um, do we know who it belonged to? Like, who is it the property of? It was, to, to the best of my recollection, it was never sold. So they, they were... The company. Right. So the company would have still owned it. Whoever, okay. you know, whatever became of Egger Loner Automobiles would have still owned the thing. Um, they, they, they just brought it out as a sort of a display model. And then Ferdinand Porsche, of course, went on to, to begin the Porsche Motor Company sometime after that. It could reach speeds of up to 22 miles an hour. Yep. And had a range of 50 miles. Um, yeah, initially it looked like a buggy yeah. like would be attached to a horse, but you're right. A sleigh is because it's got that front part that comes up and over and is open on the sides. The, the it, Reinserting the blue, putting the blue in the sides makes it look weird. It does. Yeah. But they just, they wanted you to be able to kind of see through it. It's got that sort of translucent effect to it and make it kind of ghostly looking because of the body panels that aren't there anymore. But I mean, it, it, what a neat thing. And you think. If, if we had gone that way, if Rudolf Diesel hadn't in, invented his engine or the internal combustion engine hadn't become the way of things because gasoline was so cheap at that point, it was just a uh, an unwanted, smelly, explosive byproduct of oil refining, then, I mean, they already, in 1898, had a battery-powered electric vehicle that could go 50 miles and 22 miles an hour. If we had continued along those lines, we think about the EVs we would have today. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So it goes in a museum now. Yep.
You can go check it out in Austria. <laughs> Next time you're in Stuttgart, <laughs> go and go and check out the very first Porsche designed car. All right, to wrap things up uh, for our golf players who are oh. listening. This might make you think twice next time. Stay out of South Africa. Do not go onto the golf courses in South Africa. Somebody did, and that's where they found the giant aggressive cobra. In Cape Town. I was just trying to, so <laughs> I've already done South Africa. I'm, we always do the stories. I'm already glad I've already been there. Um. Okay, what kind of... What kind of Cape Cobra they're called? Yep. Highly venomous, known for their rich yellow color and should not be anywhere near a golf course. No. One of the most dangerous snakes in all of Africa. Now, neat. They, yeah, and they found it. It was it was filmed on this golf course. So there are these little signs that are all the way around the green to I guess to tell you where not to take your carts. It went over and started attacking the signs. The greatest, the, the greatest part of this video, it, it actually, you can see it striking at the signs. And the greatest part of this video is about, it's only about 30 seconds long, but about halfway through, you see a mongoose go behind the green. Now, mongooses, mongoose, whatever that is, are famous for killing cobras. You see a mongoose skitter behind the green and nope out into the bushes. It's like, no, 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 not me. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Ricky Ticky Tavi can take care of that thing. I'm out of here. Okay, you can see the video if you like that kind of thing. <laughs> we'll put this one up on Twitter for you as well. I got a bunch yes. of stuff on Twitter today, so yeah, one more won't hurt. Have fun. All right, uh, everybody stay awake. We'll uh, turn this over to Dana and Parks. Be back tomorrow on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.